0: That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to Live Mike 136, halfway through the second hour of today's episode, number two hundred. And ninety seven. It's uh, an honor and a privilege to hang out with you here uh, these afternoons. A uh, little reminder: our, our time together is limited. You know, we got about three weeks left. Fifteen episodes, well, I guess, fourteen plus whatever's left of today's episode uh, before I hang up the headphones and hand the microphone over to someone new. I made this announcement uh, about a week ago here on the airwaves, and you may have seen some news reports about this, but uh, I've got a little professional change on the horizon. Uh, I'll be saying goodbye to you here at KSL News Radio, and I will be uh, packing things up and headed east. I'm going to, again, work uh, on Capitol Hill, uh, this time for the United States Senate, specifically uh, working as a congressional aide to Utah Senator Mike Lee. And so, what does that mean? It means that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll disclose that uh, if every time that a story re- re- regarding the United States Senate comes up or Senator Lee, uh, and you can rest assured that uh, everything will be fair and everything will be up front and out in the open. Uh, but I bring it up again uh, because there uh, there's uh, some certainly some feelings of uh, bittersweet going on uh, with me in my life uh, right now, uh, and I will very much cherish. The, the next three weeks that you and I have together before we say goodbye on April 2nd. <sighs> anyway, I wonder, so here's the thing. On, on on April 2nd, you know, of course, I've got to do some kind of like dramatic goodbye. Am I going to keep my emotions in check? Yeah, the, the, this talk radio thing has been like a uh, like an aspiration of mine since I was just a young boy. I, I remember hearing my dad on the radio when I was in second grade. And uh, then I got it in my head. Oh, you know, maybe I'll give that a shot someday. Maybe I'll give that a shot. Uh, he and I were able to work together for a long time. Uh, and then I, I came over here to the great KSL and worked as the producer for for Doug Wright in some of his final years as a full time broadcaster here on KSL News Radio. And then I was a reporter. I finally, for the first time. Uh, On this massive, beautiful radio station, they gave me the opportunity uh, to speak into the microphone. Officially, every day, telling stories, sharing information, interviewing uh, the newsmakers around town. That was a privilege. That was a great privilege. Then, uh, I spent some time in D.C. and got a phone call from the folks here saying, Hey, uh, Lee, listen, we've got a chunk of airtime in the middle of the day. Wondered if you might be interested in applying for that airtime, and I thought, oh, you know, I don't know if uh, producing talk radio is really uh, in my future. I've kind of done that and done some other things, and they said, no, 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 you don't understand. We want you to host. We want to see if you've got what it takes. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, in situations sometimes uh, in life you get these uh, kind of sensations run throughout your body. There's a chill. Right, You can feel your heart beating throughout your body. I felt that, and it sped up. And then they brought me out here, if you remember. Uh, It was in September of 2019. Did a few auditions, and a few weeks after that, I got that phone call that made my heart beat pretty deeply again, saying, we'd like to bring you out here again and put you on the air each day. And that uh, has led to our wonderful relationship, yours and mine, over this past year. And, uh, you know, as books do, new chapters are written and pages are turned. And that's coming up. And so this will be a a slow goodbye. Over the next three weeks, you and I will have these last opportunities to share some stories together, uh, to hang out, to laugh, and to comb through the news. With that said, let's get back to the news, okay? All right, I'll give you my updates when they come. Uh, I'll, I'll quit boring you with my sentimentality about my love for this medium, and we'll get to the medium itself. Uh, news, talk. We learned something over the weekend. Well, it was, I think, Friday we learned that the case involving uh, George Floyd, the case had reached a, a settlement agreement between the family of Floyd and the Minneapolis Police Department. That settlement amount was made public. It isn't always, but we learned in this case that $27 million would be paid to the Floyd family in settlement monies. That's a big amount. In fact, uh, our our research this morning uh, shows that it's likely, in terms of disclosed amounts, uh, one of the highest amounts paid out Uh, to the estate of a family, uh, the estate of an individual uh, who lost their life at the hands of police officers. $27 million. I got thinking about that number. I got thinking about the settlements that have been paid out by police departments across this country for decades. And I wanted to get a bigger picture of how common a practice that is and what those amounts really look like. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, There was a span of 10 years where the Chicago Police Department paid out uh, in settlements in a 10-year period. The Chicago Police Department paid out over half a billion dollars, 500-plus million dollars paid uh, in settlements. And before we get too too much further in this conversation, let me remind you, every one of those dollars in the Chicago case— Every one of those 500 plus million dollars. in the Minneapolis case and the George Floyd case, every one of those 27 million dollars ultimately is collected in the form of taxes uh, by people like you and me, taxpayers. Taking a step back, uh, let me just share with you some of the other uh, big taxpayer-funded uh, settlements. That have a ar- and listen. I- I'm not arguing the merits. I- I'm just walking through the numbers here. In, in a moment, we'll be joined by Greg Scordis, who will uh, walk through uh, some of these settlement amounts and the thinking that goes behind them, and the the for some the business of seeking them out. You know, there are some attorneys who dedicate their whole practice to going after law enforcement in an effort to extract a settlement, right? Uh, because oftentimes. You know, regardless of guilt or innocence, the process of seeking justice for the police department itself can be <clears throat> at least estimated to be well over the dollar amount of a settlement. So, I mean, that's uh, there's your, br- your brief education on how settlements work. We've seen them on TV. Taxpayer-funded settlements. In the case of the Laura McCluskey murder, the McCluskey family... Uh, received $10.5 million plus another $3 million paid by the University of Utah in the form of a donation to the Laura McCluskey Foundation. In the case of Brianna Taylor, $12 million paid to her family by the city of Louisville, Kentucky, in addition to an agreement to enact certain reform police practices, $12 million, $12 million. The family of Freddie Gray. Six Baltimore police officers charged in the 2015 arrest and in-custody death of Freddie Gray, ultimately resulting in a $6.4 million settlement with the city of Baltimore and the family of Freddie Gray. That in September of 2015. Every one of these. Now, again, I, I am not arguing the merits, okay? That is between the parties involved. I'm just looking at the numbers here. Well, we have thus far walked through, oh, the the biggest one of all, uh, this one not with a municipality or uh, a law enforcement office, but rather with an executive agency in the United States government. In 2010, the U.S. Department of Justice and the Department of Agriculture announced a settlement over claims of racial discrimination in the administration of federal farm loans. There is an agreement reached where $2.3 billion were shelled out by the federal government in a settlement which provided cash payments and debt relief for approximately 20,000 black farmers. $2.3 billion. Settlements. They're not cheap. And when they come from the government or from a publicly funded university or a law enforcement agency, that's taxpayer money behind it. So what more can we learn about them? What more can we know? We'll take a break right now. And to help us understand these types of settlements and, in particular, their source, uh, Greg Scordis joins us next, attorney ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. Wrapping up the 1 o'clock hour here, we're uh, taking a dive into settlements, in particular, settlements that are paid out uh, from taxpayer funds. We learned just last week that there is a a very likely a record-setting civil settlement announced just last week between the city of Minneapolis and the family of the late George Floyd. Twenty-seven million dollars. In fact, the timing of that announcement has led the attorney uh, for the former Minneapolis police officer charged in George Floyd's death. This. Uh, Derek Chauvin. It's moved his attorney to seek to move the move the trial, uh, delay it, uh, and reconsider this uh, this change of venue motion. As I mentioned, uh, because the timing of the announcement came right in the midst of jury selection. Uh, so we'll see how the judge responds to that. But what caught my attention was the dollar amount of the settlement. Now, as I mentioned. Uh, repeatedly before the commercial break, this conversation. I'm bringing this up, these dollar amounts, not to debate or argue the merits of their payout at all. All right. So when you heard I mentioned that two point some odd billion dollar uh, settlement between the federal government and some twenty thousand African American farmers, I, right or wrong, that's I'm not I'm not debating that today. And all of the other high dollar uh, settlements that have been paid out. Uh, in taxpayer funds. How how often is that? Where where do these monies come from? How are they set aside? And is it the business model of some attorneys to go after them? To help understand uh, exactly... What we're discussing here and and how prevalent number dollar amounts like this and how much uh, you and I as taxpayers are funding settlements like this. I, welcome back to the program. Uh, Defense attorney Greg Scordis, who joins us now. Greg, welcome back to the program. How are you? You, you there, sir? Yeah, 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 I'm here. Can you not hear me? No, I've got you now. We're loud and clear. I just had to push the right button. That's my bad. Oh, there you go. Okay. How common common are settlements paid out with taxpayer funds? Probably more than you
0: think. I mean, anytime you have a civil rights violation, attorneys call 1983 actions, actions against state entities, uh, police for brutality cases, for example. Um, governments who who uh, may be responsible for bad road conditions anything where there's a civil suit against a governmental entity uh, there's a payout and those happen with some frequency like you mentioned in your lead in here lee this one is pretty exorbitant and the timing of it is is awkward in terms of the trial that's about to start and You can hardly blame the attorney for saying, wait a minute, you know, this this puts me in an awkward position going to trial in front of a jury with that knowledge.
1: Talk talk to me a little bit about that. Not the not the driving force of our conversation here. We'll get back to settlements and the source of the monies behind them in just a moment. But if you're if you're the attorney and you're in this situation and and an announcement like this is made, one that uh, on its own, at least to me, the layman uh, seems to set records. What are your first moves?
0: Well, I think what you'd want to do is you'd say, Your Honor, to the judge, um, I would like a jury that's not biased, that doesn't have any opinions, that's willing to look at this case with with, with an open mind and without having uh, any any predisposition, if you will. Now, the government's already predisposed the case to the tune of $27 million, so – they're, they're acknowledging from the government's part in a case like that that there is culpability, that there is responsibility. And I know civil and criminal are two different things. Paying right. money is one thing where the officer in that case isn't going to pay any money. He's, if he's convicted, he's going to go to prison. But still, it's an acknowledgment by the government that there was fault, and that's the type of thing that can taint a jury when they're trying to decide if there's fault, if, if that makes
1: any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it uh, there is somebody somewhere that has communicated a you know a definitive determination. You know there is an agreement to you know transfer this amount of money, and you can then from there interpret you know if there's any kind of guilt associated with that, but. It is certainly a complicating factor in terms of you know making your own personal assessment of things. Uh, get, getting back to the the settlement monies and the taxpayer funded as as municipalities, as law enforcement agencies, as states, even uh, one of the one of the settlement examples that I didn't quite get to uh, before was the one point five million dollars that was paid to former Utah Attorney General uh, John Swallow. Again, one and a half million dollars. How do how do Taxpayer-funded. How do governmental agencies prepare for for payouts like this? Are, are, are there tables that show, okay, this year we we might be looking at a half a billion or so, like in the Chicago case, or what? How? Where does the money come from, and how is it planned for?
0: So, in in any large um, entity like a city or county or state, uh, they would certainly have money set aside for liability. And, and some of them may be insured, although a lot of, of governmental agencies are what we call self-insured, so they, they they just pay it themselves. But but there's whether you call it a slush fund or or money that's set aside for liability reasons. There, there's always a situation where the government's saying, look, we may make a mistake, we may have a problem down the road, and we need to make sure that we've got assets sufficient to cover that. Uh, so that if we do get a hit, whether it's 1.5 or 27 or some number in between, uh, we can still provide services to the public. We can still do what we're supposed to do as a civic entity. So, yeah, we do budget for that, unfortunately, and that's just the result of 200 years of, of litigation in our country where we know that, that some things have to have a payout at the end of the day.
1: Are are settlements more common uh, than they are say in in cases not involving government entities
0: yeah because in a lot of respects there's a there's sort of a deep pocket and there really isn't a victim so if two people are involved in an auto accident yeah i mean they the you the insurance company would pay it um if if somebody uh, murdered another person you could have a lawsuit filed but there's no money there's no deep pocket there's no it, it's unlikely that the person who caused the injury could sustain a million-dollar judgment, let alone a, a $20 million judgment. So, yeah, when you have the government or, or a, a large corporation, something that has what we call deep pockets, those are much more likely to, A, be sued, and, B, uh, to pay out a large claim.
1: Are there, are, are there attorneys or, or a certain type of client that will sometimes target, target these entities for that purpose?
0: Oh, sure. There are a lot of attorneys and, and good attorneys who specialize in, in civil rights actions and specialize in, in suing governmental entities. We we have some here in Utah. That are, they're very skilled in there and nationally. Uh, so, yeah, there are people that do that type of work. Uh, they know that there are deep pockets. They know that there are there's the ability for the government to, to avoid controversy and expense and, and hassle and just make a, a quick payment to get out from underneath the Protracted
1: litigation. Yeah, uh, Greg Squort, defense attorney, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for explaining this to us, giving us a better sense of uh, where these monies come from and how often they're paid out, and just uh, a general better better sense of these types of settlements. Greg, thanks again. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, you know what time it is? It's two o'clock. Meaning, I'll deliver to you the top two at two o'clock. That's coming up after the news on live. Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry.